0: our second podcast episode. I am Chris Hardman and I'm here with my friend and co-host Micah. Hello. We are going to talk about food quality today. Um, This is because Micah was asked a question. Do you want to tell us about that Micah?
1: Yeah so in our last podcast we talked about uh, you know morning routines and we did cover a little bit of uh, like breakfast and some foods and stuff and uh, I just had a, a friend ask me why is like the grass-fed beef so important or why is that so much better and actually they had never really even heard that there was that there were like different kinds of beef or meat and so I kind of explained it a little bit to them, but um, we thought it'd be a good topic to cover just um I guess, food quality in general.
0: Right. So this is something that comes up a lot. You have like meat, you have grass-fed meat versus just your regular conventional meat. Uh, You can get into like eggs and butter where you have pasture-raised chickens, pasture-raised eggs versus just the farm, the mass-farmed eggs. You have raw milk versus your store-bought pasteurized milk, organic foods versus conventional foods. Lots of different questions, so we're going to try and cover as much of it as we can today. So that's that's what we're doing. Is that right, Micah? Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: it'll be good.
0: So the first thing that uh, always seems to come up with this topic, for me anyways, from people, is why would you not just trust the food in the grocery store? Like, shouldn't the food that you're being sold be good for you and shouldn't it be the way you should eat and hasn't the government given us the food pyramid so i'm curious micah do you think do you think that there are bad intentions in the food industry
1: uh definitely i mean like sure the the government has put Uh, different organizations and rules and stuff and like regulations that food companies and providers have to follow. But um, I mean, you'll see, I guess, as we talk about this, maybe you'll see a little more, but there are so many ways almost to get around those things and to make it seem like food is good, but it might not completely follow these different uh, regulations or It follows the regulations, but that's like the bare minimum. Yeah, the regulations aren't even good. Right. Yeah, they're not like holding it to the highest standard. It's like, these are the things that you can eat. And that's way different from these are the things that will give you optimal health and make you feel good and live good.
0: I agree. I think like the food pyramid is completely wrong. And... Some of this has come out. I know the New York Times did a big article about how the sugar industry was paying scientists to say that fat was bad and that led to the whole low-fat thing, which personally I think is very bad for people and their health. But I go back and forth on how much of it is intentional and how much is just, I don't know, they're, they're just driven by profit and they don't it's not that they're trying to hurt people. It's just that they—they right. they don't
1: care, I guess. Right. Which isn't and any th- better, but I think that is like the main thing is um, just trying to maximize profit versus cost, and um, obviously, with so many people on the planet, maximize the amount of food they can produce and get out there so that people can actually eat their food, so that they can make the money. You know. Right.
0: A lot of people will think it's crazy to think that your food is being poisoned, but it really is. Most of the food that you go and get in the grocery store or at any restaurant is going to basically have some form of poison in it. And again, I don't know if it's intentional, but there is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Micah and I are both members uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we have something called the Word of Wisdom, which most of the world knows about because we don't drink coffee and alcohol. So that's part of it. But there's a lot more to it, more health standards that we're supposed to follow. And I'm just going to read this because a lot of you who are listening are coming to this from our Twitter, and you're probably members too, or at least you've heard about it. I think that's fair to say. So this is a scripture from the Word of Wisdom. It says, Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, In consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you this word of wisdom. So it says right there, conspiring men. You can't trust people, man.
1: Right. (laughs) They're they're poisoning us. (laughs) I mean, I guess technically this might not be a food industry, but you just look at uh, cigarette companies and uh, companies of alcohol stuff, Like, how much of that is just crap. It's just not good for you. And, um, like, as far as, like, cigarettes go, it's actual business. And I think it does, you know, move over and over to some of the food industry. And, I mean, like you said, I don't think most people are intentionally poisoning people or anything. But I do think there are people out there who put profit over, you know, safety. They don't think about... The family going to buy their food they just think how much food can we sell and for how much money
0: right it's just a business
1: right right in the end it's all business
0: and it has consequences for people's health and
1: well-being yeah definitely
0: so you were asked about meat let's start with that grass-fed meat versus regular meat do you want to start
1: okay yeah um, and so, I mean, there are lots of different depths to this and ways that you can look at it. I'm just going to start from most basic, uh, as far as beef go, you know, cows, most cows on typical farms are, they're fed milk when they're first born. And then they typically they'll, they will eat grass for several months, but then they're moved to these feedlots and in these feedlots, they're basically feeding them um, just grain grain feed. It's usually got like a base of like soy or corn. Um, and anyone who's heard or learned anything about like the feedlots and stuff, they know that this is like confined space. They don't have, they're not outside in like the pasture or whatever. They're just stuck there to eat. Yeah, up.
0: this is important because it will come up not just in the meat, but in things like eggs and milk. These factory farms uh, are like very bad quality for the animal, a bad quality of life. They're they're inside, they're in these little pins where they're not, I mean, they can't move really, not in any meaningful way. Um And then like you said, they're force fed all of this grain to, I I believe the goal is to get them as big as possible in the shortest amount of time as possible so that they can be butchered with the most amount of meat in the quickest amount of time.
1: Right. It's kind of uh, a mix of getting the most amount of meat, so getting them as big as possible. But also this is basically just filler food. And so it provides a lot of fat, which is flavorful. And so, I mean, in the end, a lot of people like it. A lot of people think it tastes good because the meat's more fatty uh, because of this grain-based food. And so because of that, you know, more people are going to want to buy the meat because they've got a high quality of higher fat, so higher flavor meat.
0: I uh, just found out in doing a little research that a lot of these farms will feed their cows not just grain, but like, They'll get stale candy that's old, gummy worms and stuff, and they'll just throw it in to the feed with the wrapper and everything and feed that to the cows as well. So it's not just grain. It's like all kinds of crappy stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in the end, um, that's what you're eating. As while you're eating the meat, you're either, I mean, if you're not eating high-quality meat, you're eating this grain-fed meat. That's just low quality. They got filler food, and um, they're producing basically filler food.
0: Right. So out of your food, you want food that's high in nutrition. And to get food, at least meat, that's high in nutrition, you need the cow to be healthy and getting nutritious food. And these factory farms, not only are they feeding them the oats, which cows don't naturally eat, Naturally, a cow is just going to eat grass and whatever's out in the pasture. Uh, But they're also, due to the conditions of the factory farms, the cows get sick easy. They're not healthy because the food they're eating isn't good for them. And so they pump them full of antibiotics. They put them through hormone treatments so that they can get big faster. Uh, In fact, 80% of all antibiotics in the United States go to the livestock industry. So you could argue that that doesn't affect the final product, but it does. And they've done tests on the meat where you you are still getting some of that, um, some of those antibiotics and hormones residually in the meat if you're eating it.
1: Right, yeah, um, it carries over.
0: Yes, so you don't want to eat meat from unhealthy cows and your typical meat at the grocery store where they're fed oats, the oats cause inflammation. They don't have any space to move in these farms, so they get sick. They're not moving around and getting sunlight and being healthy. And so the meat is really like meat from a diseased animal. And I think when you put it that way, I don't know why anybody would want to eat it.
1: Yeah. And I think something important to know is, um, animals that are stressed, sick, confined like they're not happy animals they produce lower quality products and that's just across the board and you'll i mean as we go through uh, you might see that it reflects the same as with meat as it does with eggs and milk and all sorts of stuff animals that are happier and less stressed and healthy produce better qual- better quality products for us to eat
0: yeah, I agree that happier animals, healthier animals are going to produce better food. I, and the science is there behind it. I'm not going to go into all those studies, but it's there. Um, which leads us to why, why would you eat grass-fed meat? So ideally, and I suppose it's possible that you could have a grass-fed cow who is not the healthiest. And they're still pumping full of antibiotics and hormones. But ideally, and most of the time, your grass-fed meat is going to come from cows that are out in the pasture. They're getting sunlight. They have space to walk around. Um, They are eating grass and whatever else is growing in the pasture. A lot of times it's clover, clover and grass. And they're just living life like
1: a cow is supposed to live. Yeah. I mean, just uh, with grass-fed, it's just a higher quality diet for them that makes them healthier. Uh, I mean, uh, checking like the actual like nutrients and stuff that we get from grass-fed beef, um, it can contain up to five times as many omega-3 fatty acids and Uh, A whole host of other things that are just more beneficial for us as opposed as opposed to the grain fed.
0: Right. I actually want to get into that omega three point real quick. So the thing with omega three and omega six acids are that you want a good ratio of them. You don't want one that's like way more out of balance than the other one. and In regular meat that's not grass-fed, cows that are grain-fed in these factory farms, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 acids is usually about 20 to 1. So you're getting 20 omega-6 acids to 1 omega-3 acid. So it's way out of balance. In the grass-fed meat, it is typically 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 which is equal or oftentimes better than even fish, which we know people eat for the omega-3 content. Oh, specifically, yeah. So you can get, I mean, a lot of people are taking fish oil, and I'm not personally a fan of taking fish oil, which we can get into another time. But the reason they're taking fish oil is for the omega-3 fatty acids. And if you just ate some grass-fed steak, you would get just as much, if not more, of a benefit than you're, you're getting from your
1: fish oil. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say an important distinction uh, is that a lot of things in, I guess it can be confusing in the supermarket to see things that say grass-fed, some of them say grass-finished and stuff like that. Um, and I guess this goes back to just the whole fact that a lot of people try and cut corners or make things sound better grass-fed just by itself they can still be finished with their like at the end of their life be given grain Um, and so it's important to be able to find the ones that say grass finished um, because that means they did not get grain at the end of their life and just because it doesn't say grass finished doesn't mean they, they were finished with grain, or that they never, um, or that they only ate grass their whole life, but um, it is just another way that they can regulate and see, you know, if it actually is a cow that ate grass in a pasture for its entire life. Right.
0: So, getting into a couple more of the benefits of grass-fed meat, and I think this will explain the grass-finished thing even more clearly. Uh, is a couple examples. Grass-fed meat is much higher in the precursors for vitamin A, D, K, and E. It's higher in mineral content, uh, which is important in almost every system in your body. You need minerals. It's higher in CLA, which is a substance that boosts fat loss. It improves your immune system. And it reduces your risk of cancer by quite a bit. Um, there's less overall fat in the meat, and definitely less unhealthy fat in the meat. So the fat that is in the grass-fed meat is better for you than the fat that's in the grain-fed meat. And then you also have a lower chance of food poisoning, and there's and they've done studies on this where they've tested the meat, and there's fewer antibiotic-resistant bacteria in grass-fed meat for whatever reason. So You get all of these benefits from grass-fed meat, but if the cow is not finished with grass, meaning in the last couple weeks of its life or however long the time period is, they will feed it grass its whole life and then they'll finish it with grain to try and get that taste that people like. Uh, So they just pump it full of grain for the last two weeks before they kill it. You lose almost all of that benefit. So some of the things you lose For example, we talked about those omega-3 acids. They're 20% lower in grain-finished beef. So even if the cow was fed grass its whole life, if it's finished with grain, it's going to have a 20% less omega-3 fatty acid content. And it's about that same for the vitamins um, as well. And the calories are even 20% um, higher than the grass-finished beef. Wow. So it's important to find beef that's not only grass-fed, but grass-finished, you really don't want them to have oats at any point in their life. I think that's fair
1: to say. Yeah. And I mean, um, if you think about it, like pasture-raised, grass-fed, grass-finished, it's just more natural for cows to go out and eat grass their whole lives and not be stuck in like, a tiny container being right. force fed grain or whatever. And with a lot of this stuff, that's how it goes with like more natural is just better. It makes more sense and it's healthier.
0: It's true. I noticed in looking at all of these different topics, the, the common theme is returning back as close as we can get to the way nature does it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So let's stick with cows and go to the milk. I am a big fan of raw milk and if you follow me on Twitter you know that because I love to drink raw milk and I want everybody else to drink raw milk so just to give a little context as to what that means exactly uh, your milk that you get in the store if you just go to the grocery store and you buy some milk it's going to be pasteurized for sure and like 99 percent will be homogenized as well. So it goes through two processes. The pasteurizing process, where they take some chilled raw milk and they heat it up to at least 161 degrees. A lot of times it's hotter than that. And then they leave it at that temperature for at least 15 seconds and they cool it back down to its original temperature. And they say the reason that they do this is to kill dangerous bacteria um, and make the milk safer. And then the other process... Where they homogenize the milk is to allow milk to be consistent so they put it through some machines that are, have very high pressure it breaks up the fat particles so that the milk has a longer shelf life and there's no separation like if you go to the store and look at the milk there's not a layer of cream on top because that fat has been basically blasted away through high pressure, so the fat particles just get mixed in with everything and they don't separate anymore. Um, so those are the two process processes that most of the milk you buy at the grocery store is going to have gone through. The problem is those processes destroy everything good in milk. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure a lot of you know people who have a hard time digesting milk. Do you know people like that, Micah?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. It's pretty common.
0: Especially at work. Yeah, 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 it's pretty common, especially in today's world. Part of that is because of those processes that milk go through, and if they switch to raw milk, all of a sudden they have no problems. Um, I actually have a cool graphic here that maybe we can link to in our notes. But it goes through each kind of milk. And the benefits of the milk and what happens in the different processes. So it's broken into different categories. You have enzymes, probiotics, healthy fats, proteins, vitamins, and calcium. In raw cow milk, every one of those is active and very highly bioavailable. Um, sometime, some people will argue that you have the same nutrients in milk in the grocery store, even after those processes, but... Even if you do, they're just not as available to your body. It's harder for your body to digest them and pull the nutrients out to use. So you lose a lot of it in the digestion. Um, But going on to the pasteurized cow milk, just going through each of these categories, the enzymes are inactive because the process of pasteurizing basically just shuts them down. So that's why people have a hard time digesting them. And in raw milk, there's probiotics, which are completely destroyed in those processes. So you don't get that either. So those two things alone help so much in digestion that you would notice a huge difference in the way you digest raw cow milk compared to pasteurized cow milk. Then you get to the fats and proteins. And in the pasteurized cow milk, they're both altered. Those processes alter the molecule so it's not the same molecule originally started with and some people might say that's not bad Uh, i think if you're modifying nature it's probably not good like like we said the closer to nature you can get the better right and then you get to vitamins which are completely destroyed in that process so a lot of times they'll add vitamins back in artificially after those processes to try and keep the nutrient content the same and then calcium which everybody thinks they need to drink milk for the calcium is not completely destroyed in the process but it is inhibited and makes it a lot harder to digest. So that was a lot of information.
1: <laughs> yeah well uh, no, I mean it's all real important. Yeah do you have anything to add? Um, just I just thought it was interesting because um, like you said it's the raw milk is so it keeps all these nutrients and it's common knowledge that when you heat things to high temperatures when you cook things, they lose um, nutrients like nutrients are like actually like killed off um, in the cooking process and so just with the pasteurization heating it up to so high of a temperature like it makes sense that you lose all these nutrients and the interesting thing is there are states where it's illegal to sell or buy raw milk even in like here in Utah I believe the the law is that you have to get it from the producer Like, you can't get it in a store. Isn't that correct? So the law, yeah,
0: basically, the law is that you, in Utah anyways, is that you have to get it straight from the farm. So there are stores you can get it at because they're owned by the farm, but you can't, that farm can't, like, sell it to a Walmart and then you can go buy it at Walmart. You can't do that. It has to come straight from the farm. Mm -hmm. And you have to sign, like, a waiver that
1: you understand it's, quote, unquote, dangerous to drink. Right. And... I mean the laws differ by every state but I just thought it was interesting I saw one person was saying I mean you can go out and buy cigarettes or whatever you want without any problem but you it's illegal to buy raw milk in whatever state and it's just interesting that they try and de- try and like classify it as this dangerous subject su- substance when uh it's got so many more vitamins and nutritional benefit as opposed to the regular typical milk you find in the store right their
0: argument is that the raw milk has all this bacteria in it from the cow and if you don't pasteurize it you're going to drink that bacteria and you're going to get all kinds of illness and sickness and disease nobody i know who drinks raw milk ever gets sick from it and they're all healthier than everybody else i know and that's anecdotal but it is definitely something i've noticed. And this argument that the uh, that milk is dangerous to drink raw because of the bacteria has recently kind of been disproven because they've done some studies recently where they have found there's components in raw milk that naturally fight pathogens and kill the bad pathogens off. So it's basically like nature's own pasteurization process where The good bacteria is still left, and you want that for a lot of health reasons, but the bad bacteria is eliminated naturally just due to the way the milk is structured.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this might also be anecdotal, but if you've ever met someone who has cows, who raises cows, or has a farm or whatever, they drink the milk. They drink the raw milk from their own cows. They don't go to the store and buy milk. Um, I mean, and they're all healthy. They Farm every day, you know.
0: Yeah, we really need to stop being afraid of bacteria.
1: I, everybody's been convinced
0: that ba- the word bacteria is something scary and you should be worried and never, never touch it. And it's just, I don't know, it's stupid. In fact, one of my favorite people on the planet is Joel Salatin. He's a farmer. Some people will know who he is. He's awesome. You should look him up if you don't know who he is, but he. Talks about how he'll go out and drink water straight from the cow troughs, the same place the cows are drinking (laughs) out of, which sounds gross, but he does it to boost his immune system because the bacteria in there um, helps with that. And he's not afraid of the bacteria, and you really shouldn't be. And there's a decent amount of studies out there that show all of this, like hand sanitizing and antibacteria cleaner in your kitchen, make you more unhealthy, not, not. Um, healthier.
1: Right. I mean, at this point, it's honestly almost a joke with a lot of people. They think, you know, oh, I've had this food that was so poorly prepared that so now my immune system's perfect. I can have anything and it doesn't matter. And, you know, they say it as a joke. I've said it before because, you know, I lived in Honduras for the two years when I was on my mission and we had plenty of food that was definitely contaminated or water that was (laughs) definitely poor quality and so i've made jokes where oh you know i can i'll be fine i've had way worse than this but that actually holds true that it makes your immune system stronger and it it actually does help you be more able to fight off other things like that it does it it really helps and you should do whatever
0: you can to get good bacteria into your body i'm i still wash my hands because i'm not Caveman, but you could convince me not to. (laughs) That's where I'm at. You could convince me not to ever wash my hands again at this point. Um.
1: So, I'm just going Uh, through
0: my notes here. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, just another something I wanted to add as far as the digestion that you were talking about with milk. Um, with so many people having problems with digestion, there are other alternatives too besides the raw milk. And, I mean, they. I won't say that they're better, but I don't know all the downsides either. But I know that they do uh, lactose free milk and also goat's milk. Lactose free milk, um, I know that that's not a better option than uh, raw milk, but it might be a better option than just the regular milk. The only problem is uh, instead of, they don't actually remove the lactose, they just add another. Um, substance called lactase uh, which kind of counters that to aid in digestion interesting um, so and I don't know if that's any better nutritionally than the typical milk that you'll get in the store I know that as far as like the nutrition facts go it's pretty similar and the same goes for goat's milk as far as the nutrition facts it's pretty similar but uh, a lot of people claim that it does; it is easier to digest, and that's actually because the fat molecules are smaller in goat's milk, hmm. and so um, typically it's just easier on the stomach for people to digest, but kind of like we talked about last week, it takes getting used to goat's milk.
0: So interestingly enough, raw goat's milk
1: is the closest thing
0: to breast milk we have that's not breast milk. So I know a lot of people oh. whose kids, for whatever reason, can't breastfeed. So they will give their babies goat milk, raw goat milk instead. And it almost, I mean, it's not going to be the same, obviously. Breast yeah. milk has a lot of like magical qualities to it, but it's as close as you're going to get. So I'm a big fan of goat milk.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you see, if if you look it up, you'll see plenty of people who argue against it. They're like, no, don't give them goat's milk, give them formula. But um,
0: Yeah, give them the formula that's full of
1: high fructose corn syrup and soy and vegetable oil. That's good. Right. Yeah, do that. It's just interesting. Like, it just goes back to business, you know, and big businesses because they're not saying buy, like, these special formulas that are made local or anything because like, you don't get that. You get store-bought formula that's mass-produced, where, I mean, most goat's milk that you get, or raw cow's milk you get, it's usually local. It's usually from somewhere nearby, and someone who actually, um, you know, ethically raises their animals. Right. I wouldn't even say usually.
0: I would say it has to be, because it's it's not filled with the preservatives. Like I said, the pasteurizing and homogenizing of milk makes it last longer on the shelf, so... They can ship it across uh, the country or whatever, and it's right. still good. You can't do that with raw milk; it, it's going to go bad faster. So it ha- you have to get it somewhere, at least relatively close by. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and that reminds me of something else I thought about during this whole my my preparation for this podcast is that you were talking about formula. And how most people are just going to go to the store and get the crappy formula. There is good formula out there. I'm sure you can get it. And I worked at a health store, so I've seen some of it. It's more expensive and it's harder to get, but it's out there. And it reminds me that you can eat just about anything you want. I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but just about anything you want, as long as the quality of the food is good. And it's not filled with preservatives and it's not filled with vegetable oils and all of these chemicals. And that just gets back to what we were saying earlier, that the closer you get to nature, the better things are.
1: Right, yeah. Um, I mean, that's basically been my diet philosophy my whole life is just high quality foods and obviously in moderation, but like that's just right on. Um, You can honestly eat pretty much anything as long as it's high quality. Right. High quality
0: and prepared correctly, and you won't have any problems for the most part. Uh, So raw milk, I mean, it's as as close to nature as you're going to get, but it's one of the most perfect foods that's out there in the way it's structured and the balance of nutrients and minerals and fat and protein. So go find some raw milk and drink all of it that you want. I'm a huge (laughs) fan. I love it. It tastes okay. better too. And you'll see, like we talked about earlier with the homogenized milk, you don't get any cream in that because of the processing. But with the raw milk, you'll see if you let it sit, a layer of cream will separate on the top. And that's how you know you're getting the good stuff. It tastes so Same good. Same with goat's milk. Yeah. Just yeah. shake it My up. Goat's milk does that. I mean, I know some people will even like use it to make raw butter or whatever. So you could do that too. But I like to oh, shake yeah. it up. Have a big glass every morning and night, and I will literally never die because of my raw milk. (laughs) It'll live forever. I'm convinced. Uh, And briefly, while we're on the raw milk, because I brought up that raw cream, try and also get all of your other dairy products. That way, too, you can get raw cheese, you can get raw cream, you can get butter that hasn't been processed, and it's all going to be better for you than the processed stuff at the store. It will cost more. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're going to buy it, it's going to cost more,
1: but you can make it. It's not that hard to do, honestly. So Yeah. Um, making butter, it actually, I think it's kind of fun. We've done it when I was a kid. Uh, our neighborhood would do this pioneer walk, and you'd be put in a group, and they would give you a little mason jar with heavy cream in it, and we walk around the neighborhood, and the whole time someone's got to be shaking the mason jar and we like pass it around. We all take turns shaking it or whatever. By the time we were finished, we finished at this one house where they've made pancakes. And if you've done it right, your cream is turned into butter. And we actually would use that cream for the butter for our pancakes. And like it was fun just shaking it up and like making our own butter for the pancakes. And it was good. It tasted good and it's healthier.
0: That's awesome. That sounds like a good activity for you to be yeah. doing. Yeah, it's If fun. you have kids, make them go walk around their neighborhood making butter. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: Don't I put it on pancakes it, when else? they
0: get home though. <laughs> Just have <laughs> yeah. them eat it raw. Eat the butter yeah. straight. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I I'll eat raw meat from time to time and I'll do it with some raw butter and it's actually it's pretty delicious.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I haven't tried that, but maybe, the, maybe will. The the final thing I'll note with raw milk is you want it from cows that are still being grass fed, that are still being raised in pastures. Like if you get raw milk from one of these factory farmed cows, it's gonna be terrible for you. So it's just gonna be filled with all the antibiotics and hormones and pus because they're sick and infected of inflamed and everything. So Right. Get it from yeah. healthy cows that are raised in pastures and you will be very happy with uh how easy it is to digest and the nutrients you get from it and how good you feel. I've yeah, even right. heard, and I'm not making any claims cause I'm not a doctor. So this is, this is anecdotal, but I have heard and seen many reports of raw milk curing people's depression and emotional problems. So keep, I mean, mm. there's a lot of good things. Try it out. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we've covered meat. We've covered milk. What do you want to do Next.
1: I think we should talk about the eggs. Eggs. Yes. Yeah, I, I know uh, you're very big on eggs.
0: I am. I don't like eating eggs. I'm not a fan of eggs if I'm eating them, but I drink six eggs, at least six eggs every day. So yeah.
1: Okay.
0: I'm a big fan of eggs. Um they're like the perfect
1: food. They're so they're so good in every way.
0: What about uh, you? Are you an egg eater?
1: Yeah, I mean I had eggs this morning for breakfast. So uh, I eat more than I drink. So I guess I'm the opposite of you. <laughs> but but I do I do throw them in a shake now and then. And um, yeah, I mean they've got I can't remember exactly. I believe it's every vitamin you need to live except for vitamin C. That sounds like, right to me they're they like they're actually one of like just like the raw milk actually but they're one of the most complete foods you can eat you could survive off eggs Mm. and be pretty much fine
0: yeah so because i drink raw eggs the question of the quality of the eggs comes up a lot and Mm. i get my eggs from local farmers or people who are just raising them local raising chickens locally and First of all, you can see a huge difference in the eggs. The yolk is so much more orange and um, just like even dense. You can just tell the difference in the way it looks from than from the cheap eggs you buy at the store. Right. So I've I've had people ask me like, does it really matter if the chicken is pasture raised? I think it does from a nutritional standpoint uh things like folic acid has been found to be 50 to 100 times higher in pastured eggs than just your again these mass farms kind of like the cows are filled with chickens who are getting hormones and antibiotics because they're sick they don't have any room to move around some of them get so big they can't they literally can't move yeah so they're not healthy so these chickens who are out in the pasture and I think this is actually a good, a good thing to note. You'll see on cartons cage-free and then there will also be pastured. That's like two different things. Cage-free chickens um, are not necessarily better than the f- just mass farm chickens. They can have like, you could still have like five feet of space with like 15 chickens in it or something, you know, like, It's not necessarily better. You want to get the pasture-raised eggs um, where they have space. They're out in the field. If the farmer's doing it right, he's moving them around to different pastures. They're eating bugs and grass and whatever is out there. Right. And all of that nutrient gets um, sent to you through their eggs.
1: Right. And um, just on that, there's actually, you can also see Uh, eggs that say free range and I mean it's again just another way that people try and get around Um, they try and make it sound nice so that you'll buy the eggs but they're not actually giving you all the quality that they can the pasture raised there I think there's like a like an actual amount of space that they're required to have for it to be deemed pasture raised Um, and But as far as, like, cage-free and free-range, like, cage-free, most cage-free chickens are still just indoors. They're still... Yeah, it's just like a marketing trick. Right. Like you said, it's still basically factory farmed. And then even free-range, they might have access to the outdoors, but they're not just on their own, out there eating whatever they need to eat. Because chickens are actually omnivores. So, like you said, they eat bugs, they'll eat grass, they actually do... I think even pasture raised, they feed them like the grain and stuff. But with chickens, it's different than cows. They actually, um, that's something they eat. They need to have the grain. Right. But um, just the fact that they're able to forage for the food that they would naturally eat, uh, it makes them healthier.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's true. Uh,
1: In fact, I have some numbers
0: here on pasture raised eggs. So this was a study that compared pasture raised eggs with just your normal mass produced eggs that you'd get at the grocery store. So, these are the numbers for pasture raised eggs. They have 3 to su- 3 to 6 times more vitamin D, 70% more vitamin B12, 50 to 200% more folate, 40 to 60% more vitamin A, 30 to 34% less cholesterol, 10 to 25% less saturated fat. Now, those two things personally I would say are negative, but we'll get into that, the raw egg thing in a minute. Two to seven times more omega-3 fatty acids, two to three times more vitamin E, and seven times more beta carotene. So, I mean, basically in every way they're healthier.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, by all those uh, metrics and vitamins and stuff, like, that's just, I don't know why you wouldn't try and get the pasture-raised eggs over the regular eggs. Right. They're going to cost more.
0: And I'm sorry to tell you, but most of these things we're talking about are going to cost more because it's just the way our stupid world is set up. And uh, it's unfortunate that it has to be this way. And it might change once the demand goes up enough. But right now you're going to have to pay more for these healthier, higher quality foods, but it's worth it. And I think you'll save money in the long term by not getting sick, not having to go to the hospital, not going to the doctor, not paying for medicine—it um, ultimately ends up being a better deal, and you have a better quality of
1: life. Right. I'll, and I'll pay more money for a better, a better life. Yeah, and just supporting—like, it might sound kind of cheesy, but like supporting like the local farmers and these local people who provide this food for us—not uh, only does it help them. And their family and it helps them to continue doing so I think if more people did it we'd be able to lower costs for them if more people switched from the typical um, factory farm milk or eggs or whatever um, with those giant factories losing money or whatever these local farmers who do this thing will be able to do it for cheaper and cheaper as more people are switching and supporting them
0: yeah and it's nice to see that it at least seems we're heading that way. It is getting yeah. more popular, so that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you had a question,
1: I believe, about raw eggs. Uh-huh. Um, just, like, why are raw eggs so important, I guess? I know I've gotten a lot of questions about, like, a lot of people say, you know, you lose out on these other uh, nutrients. Like, they say you don't get as much protein or... It blocks the biotin that you get from the egg. And obviously the most common one is what about salmonella or whatever?
0: So the salmonella thing is fake. and stupid and you should just ignore it. <laughs> it's not real. You're not going to get salmonella from raw eggs, especially if you're getting these like good quality <laughs> pasteurized eggs. You're going to be fine. In fact, I, well, I looked into this and it's something like, It was like 90% somewhere around there of all
1: salmonella cases in the United States comes from lettuce or produce, not animals. That's what I was going to say is you're more likely to get it with these different vegetables you eat than the eggs that you would drink or whatever. Yeah, it's just
0: very unlikely. As far as why I would suggest raw eggs, the, the goal of raw eggs is cholesterol intake because cholesterol, I think it's like 120 to 150 degrees, will destroy cholesterol. So when you cook the eggs, you lose a lot of that cholesterol content. And cholesterol is good for a lot of things. It helps with testosterone. Your brain really needs it to function at a high level. And so an egg is a good source of cholesterol, and a raw egg is going to be... Um, like just pure cholesterol without it being broken down by the heat. It is true that you don't get as much protein from the raw egg because it's not as bioavailable as if it was cooked. So if you're eating your eggs for protein purposes, it's true. The raw egg will not give you as much protein as the cooked egg.
1: Which Uh, I don't, obviously, I guess I just don't understand it completely. But um, like I said earlier, It's like a a fact that for most food products, when you cook them, you lose nutrients. So it doesn't make sense to me that you would get less protein by cooking the egg.
0: So it's not that there's less protein in a cooked egg versus a raw egg. There's still the same protein. It's just easier for your body to get to it. Okay. It's kind of like uh, the heat is, in a way, pre-digesting the protein that's a very like simple way to put it so that when it hits your stomach, it's already like somewhat digested and your body can just pull the protein from it. Okay. So that makes sense. Oh. So you're getting a, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's say there's 10, 10 grams of protein. I don't know. I'm just using this as an easy way to dis- describe it. There's 10 grams of protein in an egg, in a raw egg. Maybe you get, you absorb six of those grams and in a cooked egg, you would absorb eight of those grams. That's, that's all.
1: Okay. It's just an yeah. absorption thing Okay Yeah that makes sense then Anything else About eggs Um, let's see I had something Oh I just lost it though As far as like the cholesterol goes I know a lot of people worry about it And they worry about like um, They worry about like trans fats And saturated fat And all that stuff um but eggs are actually like a good source of fat the cholesterol that you get from eggs is good and it'll actually help get rid of um, these bad types of cholesterol that you have in your body
0: yeah don't worry about saturated fats they're good for you as long as they're from good sources animal products like raw milk and eggs good quality meat you really don't need to worry about saturated fats it's a it's an old way of thinking in the health industry that is almost, I would say it's almost mainstream now that saturated fats are good for you. Hmm. So you really don't need to worry about them. Trans fats are bad, but you're not getting those in eggs anyways. Yeah. It's the polyunsaturated fats that are bad for you. You need to worry about those. And that um, is primarily coming from vegetable oils. poof right. for short. So
1: Yeah. Which I I know you wanted to
0: talk about, so we could just go into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are tons of different polyunsaturated fats that are just so commonplace that everyone uses. Um, Some of the ones that I've got uh, just here in front of me, there's like canola oil, corn oil, soybean, vegetable oil, um, margarine. These things are all super common in pretty much every household they just use it to cook with it's put in all the foods that we buy all these packaged foods and stuff but like these things are actually so bad for us
0: they are they're terrible you should not you should do everything you can to stop vegetable oil from entering your body it is so bad for you I know a lot of people are like focused on I'm going to cut out sugar and that kind of thing or carbs or whatever. And that's great. Whatever. Do what makes you feel good. But I will tell you that the vegetable oils are way worse for you than sugar could ever be. In fact, a vegetable oil is unrecognizable to your body. It doesn't really know what to do with it. So when you have like canola oil come in, It causes all kinds of inflammation, which is bad. That leads to disease, and it takes about 17 days for your body to get rid of that oil from from your body because it doesn't know how to process it. So it just sits in your body for 17 days, wreaking havoc and causing all kinds of problems.
1: Yeah, and with most of these, uh, they're like one of the main things that's bad about them is because of the way that they're processed, it's easier for them to be oxidized, which changes like their, um, like their nutrients. And so it makes it bad for your body. The oxidation uh, just doesn't go well with your body. And it does lead to like these diseases and stuff. Right. In fact, in a, really good nutrition book that
0: you guys should check out. It's called Deep Nutrition. They talk about how even these vegetable oils would not necessarily be bad for you if you could somehow get them straight from the seed without any processing, but the problem is you can't. And you have to put them through these processes where they're exposed to like insane pressure and insanely high temperatures to get the oil out. And that whole process um, oxidizes molecules and it it just turns it into poison it's just poison for you
1: i mean most fast food is just full of it and i mean it's common knowledge how bad for you fast food is and i mean like that's i i would guess probably like one of the main reasons that fast food is so bad for you is just because of these crazy amounts of of poofas
0: right that's all they use to cook their food and I learned something disgusting that I didn't know that the fryers that they use for like french fries and that kind of thing only have to be replaced like every 8 days so it will be the same vegetable oil in there for 8 days and that's if they're like actually following the rule I mean there's no one checking on them so a lot of places are going weeks before they change them so anyways it's
1: gross it's disgusting yeah that's unbelievable
0: You had a list of some of the good oils you can use for cooking, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, so just a a basic list. Um, Obviously, butter, uh, if it's, you know, uh, like a natural butter. I'm just going to
0: interrupt and say, I fully support you using butter and lard for everything. I think you should use that to cook anything but go ahead continue on
1: yeah well the next one was animal fats so lard duck fat um, beef tallow there's lots of different animal fats that you could use and those are all a lot better for you than these polyunsaturated fats Um, then there's uh, ghee which is clarified butter so it basically just goes through you go through a process to remove some of the fats out of the butter Um, and then olive oil, coconut oil, stuff like that. And I think, so in the, in the last year, I've started trying to cook a lot more. And so it's hard when you start cooking, you learn that different oils have different like smoke points. So at different temperatures, they'll start smoking and um, they'll... That's basically the temperature
0: where the molecule starts breaking down. Right. And And so it's like it it essentially it turns
1: it into a polyunsaturated fat. hmm. Yeah. And so it just loses a lot of the the uses that you would use it for. Um, But so like butter has a really low smoke point and um, even olive oil. It's like a medium smoke point. But and so as far as cooking goes, it's hard to find the right fats that you can use. Because most of these Pufas have super high smoke points. And so it's just so easy to try and grab one of those for when you're going to sear a steak or uh, fry something like chicken or something like that just because it can withstand a higher temperature. But we actually found out...
0: It's kind of deceiving because it will say like canola oil has a 400 degree smoke point, but
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in the processing of the canola oil to pre- actually get the oil out of the seed, it's exposed to temperatures way above that. So it's already been, it's already hit its smoke point by the time it, you're using it.
1: Yeah, right. And so um, just one main alternative that I found that's uh, really high, ghee actually has a smoke point of like 450 degrees. Um, and so that's like one of the main ones that you can use for like these really high temperature things you're cooking that's actually what oil.
0: i almost always use is ghee nice yeah ghee or avocado oil i think also has like a it's like 500 degrees or something
1: yep uh i usually use avocado oil to season my my skillet so um yeah i mean there's lots of alternatives to these poofas that you can use you just have to you know know where to go and what right what oils you need Coconut oil has a high smoke point, but then everything tastes like coconut. Right. I you knew, can try frying stuff in it. I knew a but... family
0: that cooked everything with coconut oil, even like their mac
1: and cheese and stuff. And it was just oh, wow. weird. Like, yeah. I mean, coconut, some things it could, it could add, but definitely like, yeah, mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, not, it was doesn't weird, doesn't sound really good. Or I don't want to uh, sear my steak in coconut oil. Right. I don't know. Maybe it'd be
0: good. Maybe someone needs to try it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody sear your steak in coconut oil and tell us
1: how it goes. <laughs> yeah, let us know what happens. I want to know if it's good.
0: <laughs> All right. So that's oils. Get some good oils. Use, just use lard and ghee and butter if you can. If you can't, then avocado oil is probably your next best bet. If you're yeah. not cooking, olive oil is good for things like salad dressings, that kind of stuff. Olive oil is great. Yeah, yep, that's a good one. So, we still have a few
1: more topics. Do you have one you want to go to next? Um, I think we should talk about the whole debate versus local, or, or I guess, maybe not the debate, why it's important to get local food as opposed to non-local. Yeah, you did some research into this. You want to take it? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one of the... One of the main things that I've been finding out is there with a lot of different foods, and this is specifically for like produce, like vegetables and fruits and and meats and stuff with a lot of vegetables and fruits, the USDA, so our actual government um, regulations allow a lot more time than we would typically think for these foods to get to us. So for example, um, people who farm apples, they can be stored for, I believe it's up to like eight months before they have to send it to the store. And so in times when it's harvest season, you know, they, they'll send apples right away. But then when it's not time for that, you're getting apples that are six months old that have been uh, given chemicals so that they can be preserved for longer. And then they've just been stored in like a warehouse or uh, maybe a silo or something. And yeah. then they're sent to our to our grocery stores So six months later.
0: Bronze Age Perver has a, a podcast called Caribbean Rhythms. That's good. And you should listen to it. And in one of his episodes, he talked about some of those processes that like fruit goes through just in the shipping to when it leaves the farm to when it gets to you to eat it. And like you said, they just store them. In these giant warehouses and a lot of times when they've done you know analysis on those warehouses they find there's all kinds of molds and bacteria growing all over all of them and they like try and separate them out when they ship them to the store but there's still remnants of that mold on it and you're eating it and it's disgusting
1: yeah yeah it's just awful and so getting it local i mean if you go to a farmer's market or or whatever, you know that those things are fresh. They're from the farm. The person selling them has probably picked them within the last few days or week. Right. Um,
0: I think the more local you get, the less processed it's going to be. It's obviously not going to have any preservatives or chemicals in it because you're buying it locally they don't need it to last forever. Uh, ideally you're going to get a higher nutritional content because it's not breaking down, uh, through months of waiting to get to the grocery store shelf and they're not pumping it full of chemicals. And even, even some of the fruits, like we have a friend, Steve, who was telling me that he got some apples and he there were instructions on this kit that he needed to boil the apple to get the wax off of it. And he was like, I've never known that there was wax on apples." So he boiled it and he said it was disgusting. There's this like huge film of wax that separated from the apple and all of the apples have it on it. You just don't, I mean, you don't know it. So you're eating that wax every time you eat an apple from the grocery store. So it's things like that, that you're just not going to experience if you're buying them locally.
1: Right. And I mean, even if they weren't trying to preserve these for months, if you think about most people don't live in some huge city right next to the farm. And so just the time getting from these commercial farms to your grocery store where you're getting it, it's a lot of time because what are the odds that they pick it, put it on the truck and drive it right to your grocery store just for you? Right. There's, you know, all these other stops, all these other places they go. And then even then, it's probably on the shelf for, you know, three or four days before you get there and buy it. And then it sits at your house for a few days before you even eat it. And at that point, you know, the produce that you're eating is weeks or months old. And there's a big movement in
0: nutrition circles to eat food that's in season. And there's a lot of reasons to do that. I mean, that's the way nature intends it to be done. But if you're buying locally, you're forced to do that because you can only buy the stuff that your local farmers can grow at that time. Mm -hmm. I Like, I'm in Utah. I can't go out and buy an orange from a local farmer. It's just not a thing. Right. Which actually reminds me, going back to the word of wisdom that I brought up, There is a verse that says every herb in the season thereof and every fruit in the season thereof. So we're just getting back to that health code.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow.
0: I'm a big fan of of local foods and supporting local farmers, especially the ones who are doing it right and trying to uh, replenish the soil and grow foods that haven't been modified. They're growing organic foods. I'm a big fan of supporting those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy for them to do it. Uh huh. And so many of them are they're so helpful and kind. You can go to wherever they're selling and um, they'll tell you all about their farm. They'll let you know anything you want to know about their produce and how it's raised or how it's grown or like they're honestly. Like they they care about getting healthy food to people it's almost the opposite of these big businesses who are really in it for like the overhead and the the money that they can make where they don't think about the families or, or the people eating their food it's like the exact opposite
0: right in fact that's one thing i suggest you do is wherever you're buying your food from ask them if you can go see their operation and the good farmers will say of course like the people i get my raw milk from You can go visit the cows and they'll show you around and show you how they're doing things. These like big factory farms from the giant corporations, they won't let you anywhere near their farms. And in fact, a lot of them are just automated and there's like one person who shows up once a week to check on things. There's just like no human interaction at all. So that's a a good practice to get into is go visit the places that you're getting your food from.
1: Yeah, definitely. It would be really cool to see, you know, the quality of the food that you're getting and and being able to see the different ways that they're being raised and um, honestly get like kind of a a glimpse into the life of the farmer who's giving you that food to eat. Right. And if they're doing it in
0: a healthy, good way, they're not going to be hiding anything from you. Yep. They'll want you to come check it out. They'll be excited to show you what they're doing. Yeah. For sure. So try that out. Let us know. If you go visit any local farms, let us know how it goes on Twitter.
1: Yeah. We'd love to hear about it.
0: Uh, that kind of bleeds into to the organic versus conventional topic that we wanted to talk about a little bit. I'm sure everybody by now has heard of organic foods. And there's a big debate about whether it's worth it or not. I think it's worth it. Um, it does cost a little more. Do you ever try and get organic foods
1: uh yeah we try to with a lot of like our vegetables and herbs um,
0: it's becoming cheaper uh, which is nice it's, it's yeah. almost in some grocery stores the same as the conventional it's getting close
1: yeah yep so and i know you ahead. did a lot of research about it so I, I was gonna ask you what i mean what's your opinion on whether it's worth it
0: yeah so the idea of organic foods versus conventional foods are and I actually don't like that word. That's the word they use is organic versus conventional, but conventional makes it seem like that's the like most pure way of doing it. Like right, that's like just that's how we've the done norm. it forever. Yeah, and it's not. The organic is the most pure way. But anyways, your conventional food at the grocery store is going to be typically genetically modified, which means they've modified the genes of the plant in one way or another. I know one example is in beets, they will add a gene of salmon, or it might be the other way around. They take a beet gene and add it to salmon to make it more red. I think that's what it is. Right, because, a lot of salmon you get in the store
1: say color added or whatever.
0: Yeah, and so they'll they'll take this gene, insert it into the salmon egg or whatever, so that that salmon's offspring are more red because people think that that's how salmon should look. And it is how salmon looks if it's caught wild and it's healthy. But in these fishing farms, that's not how it looks because it's not healthy. But anyways, so the conventional food is modified. Their genes are modified. Uh, The wheat and corn and soy, that kind of stuff, is typically modified with some kind of pesticide. I know uh, Monsanto and they, they make Roundup and they'll, modify the dna of the plant so that it works better with the roundup basically and then they'll use the pesticides like roundup there's a one that they use all the time called atrazine which is very bad for you in fact a lot of people know of alex jones and the only thing they know about him is that he said they're turning the frogs gay by putting atrazine in the water but atrazine does produce a lot of estrogen and it does turn male frogs into woman frogs. And it causes all kinds of birth defects and messes with your hormones. And that's what they're using on all of the wheat and soy and corn that you're eating if you're oh. getting conventional. So it's really bad for you. Organic, on the other hand, is more focused on um, a natural way of farming where they're trying to replenish the soil instead of just taking from it. They're trying to... Uh, avoid things like antibiotics in their animals. They're not using genetically modified stuff. It's it's meant to be just the pure seed as it would be in nature, which is getting harder and harder to find, but that's the idea behind it. And then uh, they're also not using the pesticides and fertilizers, at least not the chemical
1: fertilizers and pesticides. Okay. So... As far as, uh, for example, organic milk, um, I mean, when you compare typical grocery store milk to the raw milk to organic milk, I mean, where does that compare or where does that fit in? So the organic milk would just mean that the animal, that the cow
0: is not being given antibiotics, it's not being given growth hormones, and it's being fed food that's organic, so... It could still be, and most likely, it is still being fed oats, but it's um, oats and grains that have been grown organically, so there there wasn't any chemicals used in them. So it's better than you know non-organic milk, but it's still going through the same processes. So uh-huh. it's not it's not okay. coming anywhere near raw milk. Okay, yeah. The big thing with organic food is that it's not. It doesn't have those chemicals in it and the soil is typically better due to the way that they farm. And so you're getting more nutrients from the food for that reason. So I think okay. organic food is worth it. It is better for you. And even if the, the nutrients end up being the same, at least you're not filling your body with the poisons of the pesticides and that kind of stuff that's in the normal food.
1: Right, right. Even if it is the exact same, you don't want to get, these negative effects that you get um, just because they have to spray all these pesticides and and weed killer and stuff exactly yep awesome um as far as uh poison and stuff like that i know we we were asked on on twitter about like tap water and the water we drink uh do you want to go into that a little bit
0: Sure. So in the imaginary utopia that you would like to live in, you could turn on your tap water and you would just get pure, clean water. That would be good for you, but that's not the world we live in. And for the most part, it is pretty bad what you're drinking from your tap water. It's full of uh, different chemicals. They've identified radioactive compounds uh, disrupting a brain disrupting pesticides fluoride chloroform heavy metals like lead and arsenic um, there's atrazine in it there's oh arsenic i said that one there's hormones from a lot of like birth control pills and and that kind of stuff gets flushed into the water system and then it stays in the water system even through the filtering processes and it's really the That's the case with a lot of prescription drugs. So you can find traces of prescription drugs. Um, I know they've done tests and found traces of antidepressants and that kind of stuff in tap water. So it's just filled with terrible stuff. It's not, I mean, it is water, but it's water that's been contaminated for a long time.
1: Yeah. Um, We were kind of talking about this a little bit before, but I had heard like almost like conspiracy kind of stuff where it's like oh don't drink the tap water it'll kill you and stuff like that and you kind of think of it as a joke um but when you actually start doing research there are lots of things that are just like they don't add up in a way that makes you confident in the tap water that you are drinking like um we found this source online it's so it's uh the nrdc which is the Natural Resources Defense Council. Uh, They did an analysis in 2015, and it showed that there were more than 80,000 violations of the Safe Drinking Water Act by different community systems. Uh, And it actually showed that about 77 million people were served water that uh, was with one of those systems that had a violation. And, and, so, and it's important to yeah. know that that's 77 million people
0: who are served water that didn't fit the criteria for clean water. But the criteria for clean water is pretty, it's pretty bad. Like the standards are pretty low. Right. So even if you're meeting that criteria, it doesn't mean your water is good.
1: Uh-huh. There's, uh, if you look up like is tap water bad for you and stuff, there are articles that say, oh, There may be traces of lead or this or that, but they're really low. And tap water is still the most convenient and available way to get water. And so like they're basically telling you there. Yeah, they're like, there might be poison, but it's convenient to get our water.
0: Right. That's, That's what a lot of the health stuff comes down to is convenience. Yep. People would rather have convenient food than healthy food. And then they wonder why they're getting crazy diseases and stuff at 30 years old.
1: Right. Younger and younger, people are just less and less healthy and they act like nobody knows why. But it's pretty obvious. It's, uh, you know, a big part of its diet. It is.
0: And in regards to the water, I wanted to note that bottled water is not necessarily any better for you than your tap water. A lot of the times it's just coming from the same sources. And then if you're getting plastic water bottles, you're getting BPAs in it. So that's not good for you. Uh, You want to try and get water. Again, we're going back to the nature thing. If you can find water that's from a good natural source, uh, that's going to be the best for you. And there is a website that I'll have to add to our show notes because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But it tells you where the local springs are near you so you can go fill up your water at these local springs that are clean water.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And that would be the a, best. A trail that so it's a trail that we used to rock the um Grove Creek and Battle Creek. Yeah. There's a loop in between them and at the top of Grove Creek there's a natural spring. And every time I've run that loop, I stop there and I fill up my water bottle there. And honestly, it's some of the best water I've ever had. That's awesome. I'll have to go get some. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one.
0: So if you do get bottled water, try and find where the company is getting it from. I'm sure there's good bottled water out there. You just have to do your homework and make sure you're getting the good quality. Otherwise, use a water filter. That's going to be your best bet. Just put a water filter Put your tap water through your water filter so that you're getting good stuff at the end of it
1: Mm -hmm. and definitely as far as water filters go you still have to do your research Um, they're not all created equal it's true so you definitely want to find a good water filter Um, in the end i mean there are ways that you can be positive you have clean water like boiling it or whatever i know getting tap water is still the most convenient way and I mean sure there are probably times when you've got tap water that's clean but just the fact that there are so many violations that go unreported or take so long to fix and where the standards are so loose I mean it it is a little worrisome sometimes
0: right but you can get good water just do your homework Get a good yeah. water filter, find a good source and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. So anything else? I think we covered all the topics I had written down. Do you have any others?
1: Um, oh, I had one question for you. I think you've mentioned it, not today on the podcast, but I've heard you talk about it before. And that's um, the temperature of eggs. Um, so, As kind of background the u.s is basically one of the main countries that believes you have to refrigerate your eggs Uh, in europe most places don't refrigerate eggs Uh, when i was living in honduras they didn't refrigerate their eggs there and i thought you said at one time that eggs that are room temperature were it was better for absorption of nutrients is that correct or or what do you think about that
0: so i have found that eggs at room temperature are easier to digest for me especially when drinking raw this is all related to raw eggs because i don't cook my eggs so at least for me the room temperature eggs and a lot of people i've worked with and people i've talked to have the same experience and i don't know why i've never looked into the into the science behind it i can tell you that the reason the United States refrigerates their eggs, is because when a chicken lays an egg, there's a protective barrier around it, is one way to describe it, so that it doesn't go bad. And so that protective layer um, allows you to keep the egg at room temperature without any, any problems. But the processes the eggs go through to get ready for the grocery store shelf that the government requires removes that layer and so they have to refrigerate them to keep them to keep them fresh and as far as I know we're the only country that does that even in Europe the eggs are usually just like on a shelf they're not refrigerated
1: okay yeah I didn't know that I know as far as like the um maybe not the science but some of the reason maybe that it's easier to digest in a lot of um baking there are recipes that ask for room temperature eggs. And um, it's it's got to do with like the, the consistency of the yolk. Um, it makes it easier to mix and stuff like that. As far as baking goes, maybe that's a similar reason as to why it's easier to digest. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, could be.
0: I don't know. I'll have to look into it and see if there is a reason.
1: Awesome. Um, and so I guess maybe moving on from that are one thing that I hear about a lot and you see a lot of people talking about is they say that it's impossible to eat healthy because uh, they can't spend that much money on all these organic Raw, grass fed, grass finished, specialty foods. So, how do you think is the best way, or what do you think is the best way to be able to eat healthy but not, you know, spend a ton of money on this? So,
0: I can't make the food cheaper for you. It is more expensive, and there's no way around that. You just have to realize the cheaper food is poison. And in the long term, you're going to get sick, you're going to have low energy, you're going to end up in the hospital at a younger age, and the ultimate cost of the cheap poison food is going to be much higher than spending a little bit more right now for the good quality food. You just have to decide, like, another, an extra dollar for eggs is worth Not being sick all the time. It's worth a better immune system. It's worth a better functioning body.
1: Okay, yeah. I do think there are, uh, and maybe uh, it just comes down to doing your research and really looking around. There are places and ways to get higher quality food uh, a little cheaper. I know with a lot of places, uh, if you're buying directly from the farmer or from their store, it's cheaper than it's going to be in, you know, one of these specialty grocery stores that specifically has the organic foods or grass-fed, grass-finished. Um, buying f- directly from the farmer is going to be cheaper than going to Sprouts or somewhere like that. Um, and I think planning your food Uh, if you're buying the right foods you can make more out of it than getting these cheap filler foods that are really not nutritious at all right amen i agree (laughs) awesome do you have anything else that you wanted to cover as far as quality food then no so just to wrap up Pay
0: attention to the quality of food you're getting. The quality of food is going to be the most important thing, and you want to be as close to nature as possible, which means you're buying organic, you're buying local, you're buying it in its raw form if you can. And the other thing I would say to pay careful attention to, and we didn't talk about this here because it's a whole other topic, but the way you prepare the food is important. Uh, Some food... You need to ferment it before it's going to be good for you. Some food you have to cook at a certain temperature or you need to soak the grains or whatever. So you can look into how you prepare your food and that will help a lot. But the quality of food and how you prepare the food are going to be hugely important to your overall health.
1: Yeah, Um, I kind of touched on it earlier, but honestly, the best diet you can have is a balanced diet with high quality food. So, yeah, real food. No modification, in its natural state, is going to be the best for your health and for your body.
0: And don't be afraid of animal fats. Eat a lot of animal food. It's good for you. I'm on carnivore, so I'm biased, but you should you should eat some animal foods. They're good for yeah, you. they're good for you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for me. You guys, uh, thanks for listening. Follow
1: us on Twitter. Yeah. I'm
0: at I'm at ch Hardman which is H-A-R-D-M-A-N.
1: Uh, I'm a Running Micah. It's M-I-C-A-H. So follow us on Twitter. Let us know if you have any questions. Happy to answer them. Yeah, we'd love to hear your questions, your feedback, and we actually still don't have a name for our podcast, so if you have thought of something for us, let us know. Yes, please do. All right.
0: Thanks,
2: guys. Bye. Yeah, thanks. for wild,